1037 here on Sports Radio 96.7-1310. The ticket, myself, Ryan Medellin, in for Ty Walker. Got Eli Jordan broadcasting from the Country Cartel Bunker. But right now on our phone lines on the Buyers Barricade ticket hotline, the voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, joining us to talk about the ever-changing timeline of the college football landscape. The Big Big Ten and the Pac-12 announcing they will move to a conference-only schedule coming up if there is fall football. So, Craig, thanks for taking the time, and what a crazy week it's been for the sport. Yeah, yeah, and and then some. You're right. Good to be on with you guys this morning, and and I think we're all just still kind of in that waiting to see what's going to happen mode right now, and and there's a lot of uh, unease, you might say, with uh, with the current climate of events that we're seeing, uh, not only in the state of Texas with the spike in the cases, but certainly across the country and and across the the world for that point. So uh, I think we're all a little bit nervous as to waiting to see what's going to happen next. One of the things that came out this week that we didn't really tie to sports at first, but it was a, an immediate afterthought, was the my favorite thing in the entire world, the State Fair of Texas, announcing that it will not be held in 2020, which devastated the Metroplex and probably across the state of Texas as well. And then the story immediately after was, well, what the heck are they going to do with Texas OU uh, if the fair does not happen, will that still happen? Is it going to happen based on if the seasons are conference only and the schedules? I mean, obviously with Texas OU and Big 12, that's not a problem, but there's obviously not going to be fans there, Craig. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, that's all, you know, very, very critical and and uh, certainly uh, has a lot of folks upset. But I got to tell you, I'm more concerned about what's going to happen with Fletcher's Corny Dogs. I mean, my God, I you know, what, what what's going to happen there? I, I heard about the uh, almost uh, near uh, corn dog riot that they had in Carrollton last night with the stand set up. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, not getting my Fletcher's, I, you know, to be serious, I, I would say that uh, the plan they still would like to play the game in Dallas well, how do you go about it how do you uh, you know uh, have enough social distancing and have that reduced house and how many season ticket holders you telling sorry you you can't you can't uh, get your tickets this year to Texas OU and and we always know what a difficult ticket that is anyway even for the 46,000 of each side to get to come in to fill it up to 92,000 uh, there's always going to be some left out but the the best of the best of the elite of the elite, so to speak, in terms of the donors who are getting the season tickets, maybe they still will, but some other long timers might not. And that's if they can still play that game there. So we still don't know what the situation is going to be, but their plan is to still play it in fair park. That's where they want to play. That's where they've always wanted to keep the game, even in the uh, very unrestful days in Dallas in the 90s to early 2000s when it looked like the city was not going to step up with the improvements and the game might go to home and home. Everybody just kind of kept cooler heads. It all got worked out. And and hopefully uh, the, the cooler heads will have something to do with this. But, of course, we're still at the mercy of the virus to see what happens. Craig, as is, is someone that has their fingers on the pulse of a major program, what has the atmosphere been like down at the University of Texas as far as their football program goes? What are they doing to try and make sure that they can have even some semblance of a season in the fall? I mean, what, what kind of protocol is in place down there, and how much of the team have you had access to uh, since, say, March or so? Well, uh, the, the second part's easier to answer, and that is the only access I've had is in terms of a few Zoom interviews that I've been able to do because everybody else has been you know, kept – uh, sequestered away from them. And, of course, the guys started reporting back to campus on June 15th. You had a spike uh, in cases, 
but then it all abated after that. I think it had gotten up to somewhere in the 20s, uh, and uh, virtually all of the cases were asymptomatic. That was a good sign. And uh, and none of the staff, the coaching staff or, or support staff, had uh, tested positive. And so that was a good thing as well. I think all that they can do, all that those guys are going to do, is continue to work and get toward that July 24th date uh, in a couple of weeks where they're, where they're reporting back in and, or at least getting into more organized workouts other than just individual conditioning. And then you hope that when they get around the 1st of August that maybe they can work, maybe they can get into some practices. But uh, I think everybody's waiting to see, especially with what we've seen over the past few days with the Big Ten and, and now seeing with the Pac-12, and uh, waiting to see if the other shoe drops with the other Power Five conferences, if they're going to uh, get rid of non-conference games. We've not had the Big 12 or SEC go that route yet. Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner, says he thinks it's too early to make a call on that. It's too early in the mind of the ACC to make a definite call on that right now. So that's what everybody's kind of holding their breath on at the moment. Voice of the Longhorns, Craig Way, joining us here on The Ticket. Craig, the Big Twin and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 making that announcement. Do you think, in your mind, that is something that can be walked back? Whereas, if conditions did improve in the next couple of months, where we're starting to see, I guess we'll have to call it the new normal, but there is a sense of normality to what they would be able to do in sports. Do you think that they would be able to walk those back and say, "Okay, now that we've seen things, we can expand again"? Well, they could, and that's a really good question. The issue is this. Are, are those institutions that were affected by the Big 12, Pac-12 decisions going to stand by and not schedule another opponent? Because that's been a lot of the conversation as well, is you look at a school like Notre Dame, they've already lost you know, uh, a couple of the uh, Pac-12 opponents that they would have. What happens if the Irish go and, and through their uh, alliance, their confederation with the ACC, where they have uh, uh, you know, five games on there, what if they go and, say, get Miami on the schedule with them, who was not on their schedule, and, uh, or find another scheduling partner to get a fill-in game because that scheduling partner had a Pac-12 or Big Ten school on their schedule, uh, and then, you know, what's done is done there. And then I don't think that uh, that can be undone. So that's that's the sticky part about how long are these schools affected by this willing to wait before they uh, let a little bit of grass grow under their feet or they go ahead and say, let's go ahead and, and get another opponent. We've got to try to see if we can still play a full schedule. So, Craig, what have you heard based on – how likely do you see a scenario playing out where you might have a spring college football season? I know that many of the uh, commissioners for the different uh, conferences have said that that would be a last resort. Do you see that happening at all? Or if it's not going to happen in the fall, do you just see that this whole thing is scrapped maybe until next year? I find it difficult to believe that the entire process would be completely scrapped, even if in its worst scenario through a spike and, and, and continued difficulties in containing the virus, that they decided, uh, you know, that they would have to go ahead and, and play it in the spring. I, I think there, there's a lot at stake here, and we know a lot of it's financial. Uh, and, and I think the conferences are being very, very careful in how they word their conversations about the importance of playing the season, i.e., revenue stream coming from the television networks versus any kind of a risk factor 
prefer the risk factor a student athlete uh, so for the health. So I think they're probably being very, very careful in how they analyze all of this. That said, they want very much to play the season. If it had to be pushed into a spring, it wouldn't shock me. But I do think, as you've heard already to this point, it probably would be a last resort. They're going to wait as long as they can, even if it means playing a truncated schedule, as we've already seen the Big Ten and Pac-12 resign themselves to that reality where maybe they're only going to play conference games in those two leagues. And maybe that happens with some of the other leagues as well, where they only play conference games. Uh, Maybe, you know, maybe they settle for that, but even if they had to push it to the spring, I think they would do it if they had to do it to save some sort of a football season. Obviously there's a lot of uh, problems with doing that or challenges with doing that. And one of those would be the impending NFL draft and how it affects, we might see a rash of players who might otherwise uh, you know, as we've seen that the bowl season skip a bowl, they might skip an entire spring season because they're getting themselves ready for the NFL draft. Now, you know, that's still a minority group that we're talking about, a smaller group of people, but it's still a challenge and something that would be in consideration if you're thinking about playing an entire football season in the spring. Craig, you've been at this a long time. You're the voice of one of the biggest programs in the nation for college football. I've seen your booth on the day of the Cotton Bowl, and I've seen how many people it takes to put out the product that you guys put out, Uh, and that's the landscape across every single broadcast in the college world where you just have a team of people working with you. I want to ask you about what your plan of approach is if the green light is given that football will happen. As far as a broadcast goes, you have your spotters, your stats guys, your, your analysts, all these people that make this product happen. There's not going to be crowd noise. Eli and I both have done a little bit of high school broadcasting and we know how challenging it can be when you don't have anything to set your tempo because usually the crowd is how your voice inflects and how things are happening in the game what are you planning on for this season if broadcasts are able to go on let me ask you this have you guys done a high school game in one of these newer stadiums where you're in a hermetically sealed booth with uh with no crowd noise in one one of those things. Hey, Craig, I got a I have a hack for you for that, and I figured this out two years ago, and it's actually worked pretty well. And I want to see. I actually want to get your thoughts on this as an amateur broadcaster and what you think as a professional. So what I will usually do is with these newer stadiums, they have the speaker at the top of the press box where you can. They have the knob where you can turn up and down the PA voice and the the crowd noise that's being piped in. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So what I'll do is I'll take our crowd mic that usually we feed on the outside, but if we can't do that, I will stand on a chair and I will duct tape the microphone to that speaker and turn the knob up, and I actually get a nice little crowd noise sound out of it. That's pretty uh, creative, and you can both of you guys can confer with your ticket big brother, George Dunham, and you ask him the stuff that George and I did in the, in the KRLD days of doing the high school game of the week in the late 80s to early 90s at Pennington Field in Bedford, sticking a microphone in a pipe that went outside to get the crowd noise in, running about 150 feet of mic cable down a hall in other stadiums and outside, hanging it on a roof. And then, of course, hoping that you know some 14-year-old prepubescent idiot wouldn't go and scream a, an obscenity in it. So all of those things you're talking about are things <laughs> That, that have at least crossed our mind, if, if not uh, been put into practice uh, some 25 years ago or 20 years ago back then. So I feel you. I know where you're coming from on that. And to your question, 
yeah, we do have a great crew. I have a producer. I have an engineer. We have a uh, we have a statistician. We have a spotter. Uh, we have a, a, a parabolic mic operator on the sidelines, and of course, we have our sideline reporter and Roger Wallace and I in the booth. Quan Cosby on the on the sideline. Those are all things that we would have to discuss, depending on. Yeah, you know whether there's limitations, how many people we could have in the booth, how we would work that, uh, whether we all wear masks, or whether I just start talking and don't take a breath for four and a half hours. I don't know. You know, we we will probably have to sort through that, depending on what we're finding out in terms of the parameters for precaution and safety and health reasons going forward as we draw closer to the season. Craig, God bless you and the battles you're going to have to fight over the next couple months. We hope it all works out for the sake of just wanting some normality in life. And I don't even know what this country would do if we don't have our college football in the fall, let alone with no fans. So really appreciate you taking the time. It's been a big week for college football, and I'm sure we have not heard the last uh, uh, from the Power Five conferences on their plans for the upcoming season. Yeah, I think we're all home for the same thing. And, and I'm also supposed to ask uh, how the Eli Jordan golf game is. Uh, uh, George asked me to ask about that. So hopefully uh, the the Jordan golf game is good. It, it's coming along. We've been playing quite a bit since there's not much else to do. But, yeah, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> That's good. Good good to hear. And, uh, and I'm with you guys. Hopefully – we have college football and high school football to talk about as well because I know that's a great concern as well. Uh, the UI had a great uh, uh, tweet yesterday about uh, you know the, the leaving it up in terms of the uh, of eligibility of athletes if they're being educated at home through virtual learning and then followed up saying that the uh, decisions are still being left up to the districts. It's still up to the districts to decide the the, the certainty of eligibility in terms of players being able to student athletes being able to play football so there's still a lot to sort out about this uh, both the high school and collegiate front voice of the longhorns craig way joining us on the ticket craig thank you so much and like i said good luck to you and let's hope we ha- hope for the best you bet my pleasure fellas thank you so much yeah, thanks